Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's that? Uh, Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Man, that feels good. This is the Parkins Playoff Show on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's voice of the fan for over 30 years now, an Odyssey station. The divisional round of the playoffs is halfway over, and what a divisional round Saturday it was. What's up? Good morning. As you are running the snowplow and the shovel, and doing whatever you got to do before two more games get underway today. I am Danny Parkins with you for the next two and a half hours, reacting to the games from yesterday, updating any craziness in the Bears, coaching and general manager search, and getting you ready for Rams and Bucks and Chiefs and Bills, both of which you can hear right here on the score. It is the Parkins playoff show, which means I host on Sundays and I talk football with you and I talk with my friends. So Ben Heisler will join me in 40 minutes. Fantastic gambling insider. And then my man Carrington Harrison in Kansas City will join us two hours from now ahead of Chiefs and Bills, which feels like the de facto AFC championship game. But before we can get to what is to come today, We have to look to what happened yesterday. And I will just full disclosure, I was rooting for the Packers. And I know that makes me in an overwhelming minority of anyone listening to this right now. But you got to understand, I bet them before the season to win the Super Bowl. If they would have won the Super Bowl, I would have won quite a bit of money. And as a new homeowner with a second kid along the way and a push present obligation for my wife, I really could have used that influx of cash. And Aaron Rodgers let me down. So I was rooting for him, not even mentioning, you know, that my little sister and my older brother and my dad are all Packers fans and the family uh, would have been significantly happier had the Packers won a Super Bowl this year. So I had monetary and sentimental reasons to be rooting for the Packers. And having said all of that, oh boy, that was hilarious. That, that That was hilarious last night, how that game ended. Because all the jokes were coming for Aaron Rodgers. And he deserved them. We had my buddy Nick Wright, who is the king of the lists and the legacies and the barbershop debates. And he said, 
on the show, he asked me on the show on Friday, he said, if Aaron Rodgers loses to Jimmy Garoppolo, what will that do for his legacy? And I said nothing because wins are not a quarterback stat. And I said, if he loses, like he's lost in some of these other high-profile spots, it's a team game. It'll probably be because the Packers' run D got shredded. Right? There have been so many games where Aaron Rodgers has lost where he drives down the field, takes the lead, and then never gets the ball back. Drives down, ties it up, never gets the ball back. Defense gives up 37, and he loses. Defense gives up 44, and he loses. But wins aren't a quarterback stat, right? Jimmy Garoppolo's got a playoff record of 4-1 and one with two touchdowns and four interceptions. So we are smart enough to know that it is more than the quarterback that contributes to wins and losses. However, when you have an opening drive touchdown and then do not score the rest of the game and put up 10 points and your playoff record is now what it is in that spot, of course that loss is going to stick to Aaron Rodgers. I am baffled by it. I still cannot believe what happened last night. The Niners' offense didn't score, and they went into Lambeau and won. Aaron Rodgers, in the last three regular seasons, is 39-10 and 10 with soon-to-be-a-second-consecutive MVP award, and he's 2-3 and three in the playoffs with every one of those games coming at home. Since he won the Super Bowl, he's 8-7 and seven in the postseason and 0-3 oh in NFC title games with the games happening at Lambeau. He's 5-4 and four at Lambeau in the playoffs in his career. That is crazy. Crazy. So, even though he is going to have the second most MVPs of all time, and even though he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and even though he is arguably the single most talented thrower of the football in the history of the position, He's a bit of a choker, and I can't believe it. I really can't believe it, and it was hilarious. The only thing that ended up canceling Aaron Rodgers was the San Francisco 49ers. We all got duped again into thinking that Aaron Rodgers had a shot. Like, all the jokes, I'm here for all of them. They're all funny. When you do what he did and he says the dumb things that he said and continues to say, by the way, we're going to laugh at you when you fall. And he knows that, and that's the game, and oh my God, did he fall. I still don't really understand what happened, to be honest with you. I know I'm supposed to, you got the microphone, you got the platform, you got the blue check. Man, none, none of that matters. I'm just like you. I'm just someone watching the game. How does he drive down the field 
10 plays, 69 yards, Devontae Adams doing whatever the hell he wants out of the, the slot. Touchdown, 7 nothing. never gets in the end zone again. How does that happen? I mean, maybe Les Grobstein had something to do with it. I like to think that Les is aware of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers falling short in that spot. When he missed the throw to Adams down the sideline when Josh Norman came in and Rodgers like looked up to the heavens, I like to think Les Grobstein was pointing and laughing and snickering back down at him. That is kind of how I envisioned that all happening. But honest question, would you rather Ryan Pace have kept Robbie Gold on the Bears this entire time and the double doink never happens, or are you cool with how it went because he made that 45-yarder last night to eliminate Aaron Rodgers? Because the 2018 team's not winning a Super Bowl if Robbie Gold's on that team. You're, You're winning that game if Robbie Gold's on that team, but... Maybe you're more wedded to Mitch Trubisky. Maybe Matt Nagy is still here. Who knows what happens if Robbie Gold's a bear this whole time. But Robbie Gold's not a bear. He ends up on the Niners, and he hits that kick to eliminate Aaron Rodgers and the Packers from the Super Bowl. Something to think about. And by the way, I'll take your calls all day if you want. 312-644-6767. I am amazed at how that game went last night. I still don't fully understand how that game went the way that it went. That block punt touchdown by the Niners looked like a glitch from a video game. And the Packers special teams has been the worst in the NFL all season, and that would never happen to Pat Manley. That was that was an abusive play on that long snapper for the Green Bay Packers. But, my God, Jimmy Garoppolo, 4-1. In the postseason, an 80% win percentage with two touchdowns against four interceptions. Jimmy G wanted to throw three pick six last night, by the way. He was trying. Every throw seemed to hang in the air for forever. Off his back foot. I There's an alternate version of reality in that game where Jimmy Garoppolo throws three interceptions, two of them are pick sixes, and the Packers win the game by 21 points. Like, that was that was a, just a wild set of circumstances that led to that game going the way that it did. And that's not to say that it was like entirely fluky. It was just weird. Like, that was a very, very weird football game. Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones contributed for 97% of the Packers' receiving yards. Two players. Like that, that was just a weird game. A.J. Dillon gets hurt. Two guys and two guys only catch the ball. Mercedes Lewis with the terribly soft fumble just as they're driving down for what could have been the second touchdown of the game. It was... It was so weird. And now you are in a spot where they're over $40 million over the cap. Devondre Campbell, the first-team all-pro linebacker, free agent. Aaron Rodgers basically has a handshake agreement that he can get traded if they can't figure out the situation. 
Devontae Adams, you could franchise tag him, but that's going to cost a lot on the cap. Rodgers says he doesn't want to be a part of the rebuild. They're going to have a ton of roster turnover next year. I don't know what he's going to do. Nobody does. I don't know if he knows what he's going to do. But it certainly sounded like Aaron Rodgers was leaving. When he talks about he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild and there's so many things that have to happen in that spot, it it sounds like Aaron Rodgers might be getting up out of the NFC North. And the Packers are going to turn over their team, go young, acquire a bunch of draft picks in a trade, for Aaron Rodgers, and maybe even a tag-and-trade for Devontae Adams, and all of a sudden the NFC North is wide open, which makes the Bears' job even more appealing, by the way. But we, it seemed to me like we were watching the end of an era. And it's weird because if we we thought at the beginning of the year that if this was going to be the last run for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, it was going to be because he didn't get along with Brian Gutekunst and the management of the Packers. That's not what it is anymore. Now it just seems like, are the Packers not good enough to win as presently constituted, which again makes no sense. 39-10 and in the regular season. Getting Zadarius Smith back. Getting Jair Alexander back having an actually balanced offensive attack with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to take some of the pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. That was, it, this Packers team, given the injuries to Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown leaving in Tampa, it was everything was set up for them to cruise to another Super Bowl. Cruise. And they scored one touchdown. That's going to be one of the tougher ones to figure out for a long time. And if Aaron Rodgers ends up a Bronco or a Steeler or a Dolphin or a Texan or a Raider or who the hell knows what, I mean, maybe a Niner? The Niners, the team that he wanted to draft him, are now 4-0 against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. That is that is an unbelievable thing. And so, obviously, all Bears fans hope that it's the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. It was very fun to laugh at him and laugh at them at the end of the game. Robbie Gold and Jimmy Garoppolo besting the one-seeded Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. Not something I had on the board. I'm not going to lie to you. And it felt like the end of an era. And now Aaron Rodgers... We'll see what happens if he plays, if he plays for a new team, if he plays for the Packers. I don't think his career is over, but how the Packers had 30 years of Favre and Rodgers and they have two rings to show for it and one trip to the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers... They've underachieved with Hall of Fame first ballot quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers will now have as a part of his story and his legacy and his narrative as playoff choker and underachiever. I mean, that's a bad loss. Scoring 10 points against the Niners secondary and Jimmy Garoppolo at home. They were a bigger underdog when they lost to the Giants and Eli Manning, but that, that is a bad loss. 
That's a memorable impact. It comes up years and years down the road type of loss for Aaron Rodgers, especially if he never gets another Lombardi trophy. 312-644-6767. Mark is in South Bend. He's on the score. Parkins Playoff Show. What up, Mark? Hey, how you doing, Dan? Good, man. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, I already missed Les Grabstein, too, and I was a big caller of Les and that. And I know he had to be smiling uh, when uh, Robbie Gold knocked that field goal through the uprights from up above. But the uh, one thing I'm going to talk about, uh, there's a possibility, like you say, in Rodgers moving on, and the Bears need to get the situation where they get the GM and coach in play. And, uh, you know, the, the NFC North may be open for sure. And I was going to ask you uh, your response about this one or your opinion about if you got a quality candidate who can serve both as head coach and GM, maybe Doug Peterson, should they consider that? I appreciate the call, Mark. I don't think that there are many people who can or should do both jobs. I think that, you know, Andy Reid is the second best coach in the NFL and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame and everyone who listens to the Parkins and Spiegel shows knows how much I think of Andy Reid. He tried to do both jobs and couldn't. And he's a legitimate football genius. Bill Belichick obviously has a huge say in personnel. He's proven to be able to do it, but there's no one available. Like If Brian Flores wants to have a hand in who his general manager is and have a vote, a vote, I got no problem with that. A lot of coaches have a say in it. A lot of coaches have a vote. A lot of coaches get brought in at the end. Okay, we, we're going to take a tackle with this spot. Uh, we, you know, in, in this in this part of the draft, we think that there there's going to be value on offensive linemen. These are the two or three that we've got graded out the same. Let's go over the film, and we'll bring in the coach of that position to to go over it. Like that that happens all the time. But full say in charge of college scouting, pro scouting, the the draft, free agency, the practice squad, and you got to be the head coach of the team dealing with game plans week in and week out. It's multiple jobs. It's multiple jobs. I don't think there's anyone for the Bears that can do both. But the NFC North, if Rodgers does leave, if in the next week or so we get a report, Aaron Rodgers has decided, like if it's a joint statement, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers have decided that it is in the best interest of both the organization and the player for Aaron to move on. We are, of course, disappointed because Aaron is an MVP and we would want him to be here for his entire career. But because of many roster decisions that we have coming up, it's going to be a period of transition. And we believe that we owe it to Aaron for him to be able to play out the rest of his career with a contender and trading him accelerates the timeline in order to bring the next Super Bowl championship to the great fans of the Green Bay Packers. Like If they release that statement in the next week, the Bears' job becomes instantly better because the NFC North is wide open. The Lions are the Lions, Kirk Cousins is with the Vikings, and you got Justin Fields, and they got Jordan Love and a serious cap problem. Because make no mistake, Packers roster is good, but the only reason they're a contender is because of number 12. He's the only reason they're a contender. You remove him, they are a team with some guys who go to the Pro Bowl. And a lot of rosters have that. So it's a massive period of time here based on what that guy does. If he comes back, they're a contender. 
but this year seemed like their best actual shot. Last year they had to play an NFC title game at Arrowhead, or excuse me, at Lambeau, with basically no one in the stands, and it was a healthy Tampa team. This year everything was there for them. They were getting their star players back, and they couldn't do it. There was a lot of hilarity last night in how that all blew up. Rodgers never saw it coming. The Packers never saw it coming. And any Lambeau January mystique, that's been dead since Mike Vick ran all over their soul. We'll get the gambling angle for today's game with my man Ben Heisler in 20 minutes. Why yesterday's first game, Bengals and Titans, actually gives Bears fans a little bit of hope. Next on The Score. Here's the snap, ball down, McPherson's kick is on the way, and it is good, and the Bengals win! The Cincinnati Bengals are going to the AFC title game. Evan McPherson with the walk-off winner from 52, and the Bengals' dream season continues. Evan McPherson with his fourth game winner of the year, going back to the regular season. The Bengals win it, 19-16 is the final score. And the Cincinnati Bengals will play next week for a trip to the Super Bowl. Bengals Radio Network with the call. I'm Danny Parkins. It's the Parkins Playoff Show. We'll take a couple calls here in just a minute. Evan McPherson. It was the day of the kicker with Robbie Gold and Evan McPherson. And normally that leads to fairly unexciting football. I thought the first half of Bengals and Titans was pretty terrible. Second half was definitely interesting. And I thought the entirety of the Packers and Niners game was really interesting and compelling sports theater. But um, how about McPherson saying, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game on the sideline uh, before coming out and making that 52-yard field goal. Absolutely ridiculous. And uh, take solace. It is possible to win a game when your quarterback gets sacked nine times. Bears couldn't do it in Cleveland uh, this year, but Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times and uh, the Bengals win a divisional round playoff game. And I just, I love, even though uh, the story of that game was much more uh, the Titans defensive line and Ryan Tannehill having one of the worst games you'll ever see in the postseason and Derrick Henry not being himself and failures for short yardage for the Titans and amazing special teams for the Bengals, it was still Joe Burrow is the Bengals organization now. Even when other people contribute to the win, maybe more significantly than he does in a given game, he does not care about 31 years of playoff droughts. He does not care about the fact that they were the Bungles. He's like, stop talking about us like we are the underdog. We expect to win. We are going to keep going. We've got a really, really good team. And that is what the Bears need. And that is what we are dreaming Justin Fields can be. It is. It doesn't mean that Joe Burrow's guaranteed to win a Super Bowl, but he is the franchise in that he transforms the culture, the expectation, the standards, not even to mention the offense. Like That guy talking about those games and those wins in a matter-of-fact tone, in a this is now the standard. This is what we expect. He wasn't nervous about those playoff games because he's played in big games before. That's what we need here in Chicago in the absolute worst way, and hopefully we have it in Justin Fields. CJ was at the Packers game last night. 
Not sure who he was rooting for, but that could have been hilarious. He's in Beverly now. He's on the score. What up, CJ? <laughs> I'll tell you, I had the same uh, uh, sentimental decision you did. I'm a Bears fan, so is my daughter. But I went with my cousin, who's Packers season ticket holder, uh, his son, who's also an 8-year-old. And then, um, you know, we had a decision to make, and I asked Isabella, what do you want to do here? You know, and she's, we're rooting for the Packers. So, you know, we're not going to be one of those, those, those trolls going up there with, like, Bears gear on or whatever. I didn't have any Packer gear on. Anyway, long story short, you know, third quarter, we buy her a hat. And so, like, we're into it. We're cheering. We're, we're, we are there supporting the Packers. I got a Blackhawks hat on. We're scooting back into our, uh, our bleacher section. Couldn't, couldn't be classier fans in general, by the way. I just, just, just have to say that for an NFL yeah, game. Yeah, L- L- Lambo is an amazing in-person experience. I, ha- I actually had tickets I had to pass up last night because yeah. I'm still testing positive for oh, COVID. Really? So, I, yeah, I wasn't able to go. But – but uh, but yeah, I've been to Lambeau probably half a dozen times. It's it's amazing every time. So that that's very very cool. So these two dudes, uh, you know, wearing uh, ski goggles, I guess, see the, the Blackhawks logo and start teasing me about the like the Minnesota game. You know, I'm like, oh, what are we, you know, what are we even talking about here? Anyway, they get it in their heads that this is what they're going to do, and it gets a little little out of line, a little classless. So I had to say something that I've never said in front of my daughter to calm it down. Uh, the rest of the crowd actually came to sense and, and made them apologize to us. Long story short, Robbie Gold kicks that field goal, taps the dude on the shoulder, wave a finger and say, bad mojo, man, good as gold. And it, it was, you know, it was fun. Uh, and I, I, that, I wanted to share that because I enjoyed it. Hell yeah, man. Listen, good for you. It's, it's funny. Like I, I get being swept up in the pageantry of Lambeau, and if the Bears aren't there, kind of like, you know what? I'll root for the home team. I'll do what the masses want to do. But then your Bear fandom kicks in when Robbie Gold, who Bear for life at heart, ends their season and a guy was mean to you, and all of a sudden it's kind of amusing to see 65,000 Packers fans be upset. Like, I I was really rooting for the Packers last night for both my family's rooting interests and some serious money that I would win if they would have won the Super Bowl. And then as soon as the game was over, I was like, you know what, though? This is pretty hilarious. <laughs> like, and part of that was all the jo- the jokes that were coming at Aaron Rodgers' expense on the internet. But there was a lot of humor in how that game went down last night. George is in Old Town. George is on the score. What up, George? Hey, I'm just trying to console you. Sorry about your loss on the bet for the That's family. Right. But you know, the key play in that game was the was the catch. Uh, it re- 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 was reversed on a fumble. The player took two and a half steps. They were up seven nothing, and it turned the game first half into a field possession game. And uh, look, I root for the Bears, uh, but I was rooting for the Packers, and my money was on that too. And uh, you know, you just got to understand, small market NFL does not want small. You got to beat both the NFL and the team if you're a small market team, and that's part of the deal when you're <laughs> betting on them. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I don't think that the, the the refs had much of a say in the outcome in that game last night. I appreciate the call. I certainly did not f- feel like I had been cheated. I thought that for the most part, those were pretty clean uh, games last night. I thought that the, the toughest call of the day was actually the uh, the Titans interception where, uh, where Hooker got the interception and the ball was on the ground and it kind of dragged a bit. I'm pretty sure that was just, if it was called uh, incomplete on the field, it would have uh, been... It would have stood as an incomplete, but because they called it an interception on the field, it stood as an interception. 
which was just a monster, monster call. But obviously, Bengals ended up going on and winning anyway, even though that one went against them. But I thought it was a pretty clean uh, two games, which the NFL, you know, they, they need because – not that they need. They'll be fine either way, and we'll watch either way because we are completely addicted to the product that is professional football either way. But it was nice to not have – uh, the the officiating be the predominant storyline in the game. Now you know they missed some false starts, uh, one or two in the in the Titans Bengals game. Like I'm not saying it was a perfectly officiated day, but I thought I thought for the most part it was it was pretty clean. the The Bengals Titans thing though, man, that was Derrick Henry was just not himself. He just wasn't, and it was pretty easy to see coming. I do a playoff fantasy draft where we redraft every round, um, and it's just the games for that weekend, and then you redraft going forward. And it's uh, there's just four four teams in the in the pool, and I actually had the first pick for the divisional round, and everyone expected me to take Derrick Henry, and I didn't uh, because I just thought that you could see that coming. Right, he's got five screws put into his foot. Like he's a he's a power runner making his first play first play back. But he AJ Brown is amazing. Ryan Tannehill turned into Ryan Tannehill last night. Derrick Henry wasn't himself, and they just couldn't get anything going offensively uh, f- for the Titans. And you know they were a shaky one seed the whole way, and now Bills and Chiefs is to host the AFC title game where both teams will have a tremendous amount of pressure on them as a big favorite. No matter who wins tonight's game, they'll have they'll be a huge favorite over the Bengals, at least a touchdown, I would imagine, uh, next weekend, either in Buffalo or in Kansas City. So for everyone who – everyone like coming into this weekend said that today was the de facto AFC title game. I didn't really buy into that because I thought that – you could go into ten, you could go on the road and lose, and Henry could play himself back into in, into shape, and you know that they'd be they'd be in a tough spot. Not that the Bengals can't go into Arrowhead or go to Buffalo and win, but now you'll just have a tremendous amount of pressure and expectation on you uh, as a huge favorite hosting an AFC Championship game when you weren't really supposed to be in that spot in the first place. I thought the coaching decision from that first game. When they got the penalty on the extra point and moved the ball from the two to the one to go for two at six six was interesting. Like the numbers do say that you have a higher percentage chance of getting it from the one than the two, and people always talk about the extra point as if it is an automatic. It was when it was twenty yards. Now that it's moved back to thirty three yards, it's not quite as automatic. So. I had no problem with Vrabel taking the the shot at the extra point there. And for everyone saying they would have been up later in the game, you don't know how the game is going to go. If play calls are going to be different, if urgency is going to be different, if defensive aggressiveness is different, if you are protecting a lead versus if you're playing in a tie game. like So to say, well, they would have been up one late if they would have taken that extra point, you don't know if everything from that point forward would have been the same if the score would have been 7-6 Tennessee as opposed to a 6-6 tie. So I have no problem uh, with him going for two in that spot, and I don't think you can say everything else would have happened exactly the same if they would have just kicked that extra point. Looking ahead to the prop market, 
the point spread, and the totals. We got two games today with a ton of storylines. We try to make it profitable with Ben Heisler from Bethside at next on the score. What's your message to the, the crowd this Let's week? Let's go! You know my message. Um, I got to give a huge shout-out to the crowd. Um, Chiefs fans, uh, you guys were ecstatic. I love you guys. Uh, can't wait to see you guys. I'm super excited. Um, we're back in Chiefs kingdom. I got to watch my language. I don't want to get found, but I love you guys. Let's go. Stack Nation. How? Let's go, Chiefs kingdom. Let's go. I think Chris Jones is excited. I know I'm excited. And I know my next guest. Chicago guy living in Kansas City. I've known him for a little bit since third grade. He's now the managing editor editor at BetSided at BetSided on Twitter. Joins me on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What up, Ben Heisler? What's going on, Parkins? How are you, man? I'm good. This is really the only way we get to catch up now if we do it on the air. So how's life? How's the fam? Everybody is good. We're just getting ready to try and get the boys down for their nap so I can get my bets in for today. Uh, at least any remaining bets that haven't been put in for the, the rest of it. But everybody is good. Everyone is thankfully healthy, and we're just uh, trying to survive another day. Beautiful, man. How did yesterday treat you in terms of the gambling? Uh, it, it went well, other than um, Green Bay from a long-term perspective. Um, I, I was in on a couple of futures bets on them when uh, they were early struggling at the beginning of the season in that loss against the Saints. Uh, so they're out of it, but uh, I, I like the Bengals uh, early on, and I know that there was a, a pretty sharp move towards Tennessee. Um, but there's something about Burrow that has continued to be really, really impressive. Uh, and I thought their ability – to take on a Tennessee run defense that um, had been really impressive, especially their ability to get to the quarterback. Like Burrow got the ball out quick, spread it around. Mixon took advantage of opportunities where they were really uh, trying to get too much to the outside. And so I ended up going one and one overall. Uh, But I think today is going to be a a far more interesting day of games. And I got to tell you, man, like after Favorites, I think, won by 91 total points in the wild card round. You're, you're starting to see some of the underdogs really play some impressive football and, and keep things much closer than I think people anticipated. Yeah, I mean, two outright winners for dogs yesterday, obviously, with the Bengals and the Niners. We will start then with the first game of today. It's been very consistent. Uh, you know, there were some two and a halfs. Uh, on the board, there's been a little bit more juice uh, that you got to pay for the Rams, but it's been fairly consistent. Bucks minus three over the Rams. Total now sits at 48 and a half. How are you handicapping a side and total in this one? Yeah, I, I like the Rams. I got them back when they were at plus three. And this is interesting for me, Danny, because I feel like all the trends are telling me to back Brady, right? He's 14 and two in his career in the divisional round. He's 12 and one at home. Uh, the Bucks finished the season with the second best home record straight up as well as against the spread. And, and then, you know, expect that both them and Green Bay, which was the number one team at home all season long, uh, that they would fall in the same weekend. That kind of be a, a bit of a shock. But, you know, the reason I like the Rams is that I think they can beat you in a wide variety of, of, of ways. They, you know, the perception for them is that they throw it a ton. Um, and to a certain extent, they do. Stafford was second in the NFL in touchdown passes at 41. He was third in the league in, in passing yards. Uh, but look what they did last week against Arizona. 
Yeah, the Cardinals actually this season have been a better team against the run than the Bucks, according to DVOA. Arizona finished sixth against the run. Tampa Bay is actually 12th. And I think the reason that we all sort of think that the Tampa Bay's run defense is so good and so dominant is that teams just don't run on them. They were actually last in opposing attempts in the run game. And you know, I, I think some of that may be just because of how well they played last year. But I also think teams aren't running on Tampa Bay because the Bucks throw more than anybody in the league. They get off big leads. But over their last three games, they're giving up more than five yards per attempt in the running game. And just for, for reference, the Steelers, who were dead last in the NFL in stopping the run, they allowed five yards per carry. So they're, enlarging, they're, they're allowing a dangerously high rate as far as running the ball. And now you have Cam Akers healthy. You can still mix in Sony Michelle. And the Rams ran it 38 times last week against a better run defense than Tampa Bay's and were remarkably efficient. So I, I think they just match up really well. Brady struggled against the Blitz throughout his career. You have Von Miller. You have Aaron Donald. I just think the Rams are a bad matchup for Tampa Bay, and I like another dog in that matchup. Cam Akers over under his rushing yardage prop right now is 48 and a half. Is that juicy enough for you to go over? Yeah, I think so because of, of what we just talked about. The Tampa Bay run defense is just not – at the level that we're accustomed to seeing. And I think it's very dependent on, on what McVay wants to do. You know that you can attack the Bucks through the air, especially over the second half of the season when they've been decimated by injuries. But I also think it allows Stafford to be a better quarterback on play action when they're committed to it. And the Rams like to run the ball. I, I, again, Stafford will, will take plenty of chances downfield, but I think McVay has also come to the understanding that if you can make sure that he avoids the interceptions, so they, they haven't lost the game this year, Danny, when Stafford hasn't thrown a pick. So if they can avoid that dangerous play and give any momentum back to Tampa Bay, I think they're going to do it. And I think they're smart enough to realize that if you still are committed to running it effectively against Tampa Bay, that's going to open up play action for Stafford. And Odell Beckham Jr. was the highest rated receiver by Pro Football Focus last week. There's a ton of incentives for him if he continues on this pace over the course of the playoffs. So I, I think you're going to see a fairly balanced attack, maybe even more so leaning on the run game. So I, I do like the over for Cam Akers. Ben Heisler from BetSided is our is our guest. Uh, I've you know I've seen Jalen Ramsey will shut down Mike Evans, so go under on seventy one and a half receiving yards. I've seen some some sharp sides. Uh, you know Gronk's number has gone up o over the course of the week. Any any other props uh, that you like on this game anywhere on the board? I think Stafford on his over number, and again, it's going to be dependent on where you look at it. Um, I just think it's going to be a back and forth game. So I like the over for him on passing yards, uh, even though they're going to be adjusting okay as far as running the ball. Uh, I also like the over on, on Beckham, too. I, I just think he's as locked in as anybody. And, and so I, I think if you're looking from a Rams perspective, knowing that it's going to be an advantageous matchup, um, you know, rushing attempts for Cam Akers as well is another one in play for me. I, I just think that's going to be the game this week where you probably see more overs being hit because of the good weather in Tampa Bay, because both of these teams are accustomed to this weather. Um, I, I know it's going to be sort of a, an intriguing choice for, for Bills and for Chiefs as far as overs go, but I, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit, I would imagine. Uh, to me, I feel like that's going to be more of an underplay for me. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Odell Beckham at only 47.5 receiving yards uh, feel, feels like a pretty good spot as well. So let's get into that game tonight. You're obviously now based 
out of Kansas City. People have called this the de facto AFC Championship game. The Bills on the record publicly as an organization saying that they everything they did in the offseason was predicated on beating the Chiefs after losing to them right. in the AFC title game last year. Chiefs are only a one-and-a-half-point uh, favorite in this spot with a total of 54. There's a ton of angles that interest me here, but uh, we'll start at the same spot. Side and total, where do you think the better bets are right now? It's As far as – let me just say this off the top, because betting the Chiefs this year has kind of been my kryptonite being in the local market. I, I never seem to get them right. They were 2-7 and seven at one point against the spread this year, and I kept thinking, like, this is still the – prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl. They're, you know, still have almost everybody back from the last couple of years. It's still Mahomes under center. Um, and, and I was always on Kansas City in the first part of the year and they kept failing the cover. And then when they went on that crazy stretch to finish nine and nine against the spread, I always felt that the line was a bit too inflated and I went towards the other side. I, I think Kansas City is in a really nice spot here. I, Buffalo had the most perfect of all perfect games last week and meanwhile you had kansas city that kind of got punched in the mouth uh in the first quarter against pittsburgh in, in a game that i thought was actually going to go under because uh, i thought that the, the way that you beat pittsburgh was was on the running game i didn't expect a monster performance out of Jarek mckinnon and sure enough they got it but you know pat mahomes the, the, right now the, the line like you said it's, it's minus one and a half those are the shortest odds that Pat Mahomes has ever had in his career at home. So the way that I kind of look at it, if you're looking sort of from a trends perspective, is Mahomes is 30-7 and seven straight up at home in his career with the line minus 2.5 or better. He's 19-17 and 17 against the spread. I think at this point you look at the Chiefs from a money line perspective and say that, that's probably the better bet here in what should be a really close, tight-knit game. And I also think because the Chiefs kind of already had to experience – uh, a bit of frustration, a bit of inconsistency um, where they weren't being told that everything is going about as perfect as can possibly be. I, I just think it's going to be another step for the Bills to try and get towards knocking off the guy at the top of the mountain that so many teams tried to do for so long against you know, Tom Brady in New England. But I, I think the Chiefs end up covering the number here. I, I like them both as a money line play uh, because it's not a, a large number. I like them to cover the spread. I think this ends up being a, a touchdown win for Kansas City. And I also like the under in this game, too, because you have two really good defenses that nobody really seems to consider. Bills are the number one defense overall this year. And Kansas City was one of, you know, the, the last team to hold opponents to uh, under 10 points or less in five out of seven games this year was the Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks team. So the, the defenses for as good as these two quarterbacks are, Danny, they're they're not being talked enough as far as what they've been able to do defensively. And 54, especially moving down from 55 and a half, feels like the right play. So I, I like the Chiefs side. I also like the under in this game. It's very interesting. I, I've gone back and forth on the game all week. When I had to put in my official pick with Bet Rivers on Friday, I – I went with the Bills, and I s simply off of recency bias, I just thought that they looked more impressive last week. Um, but now I'm like, all right, I'm really going to bet against Pat Mahomes as less than a three-point favorite at home when, you know, Tredavious White, the number one corner for Buffalo, uh, is out in that spot, and Buffalo hasn't played a good quarterback since like week 10 and the only one that it was was Tom Brady who torched him so right. I, I, I I keep going back and forth is basically my point and now on, on game day I'm like am I actually going to go into this game and and pick 
against the Chiefs. And part of the problem was I was on the Chiefs in that game earlier in the season, but as you know, Mm -hmm. when the Bills kicked their ass in that spot – you know, they were playing Sorensen every snap. There was no Chris Jones. It was a bigger game for Buffalo. Like, I feel like I let that first game maybe impact me a little bit too much. How much relevance do you think the first meeting has uh, tonight? I, I think it has some relevance, but I, I think about you know, the fact that, you know, last year, and I'll go back to the Tom Brady example, you know, the, the Saints have had his number for a long time, and then he has to go on the road in New Orleans and, and pick him apart, and he does that with a 10-point win. The Chiefs are one of those teams where they are going to frustrate the absolute hell out of you because you know the talent is there. And for a long time, they've relied on just sort of flipping a switch and then they can drop, you know, 40 something points on you. And we saw that in the, the two games on the raid to the, the Super Bowl uh, against Houston. They're on 24 nothing in the first and blowing them out by 20 by something points. Did it again against the Titans in the week after. They, you think about the Super Bowl as well. It was a similar type of situation where everybody just anticipated that they would flip the switch and do it against Tampa Bay, wasn't able to do that. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl the same way against the 49ers. So at, at some point, you're going to run out of that luck. At some point, another team's just going to do that. And they're aware of how it all happened last year against Tampa. And they made the adjustments to make it happen, too. So I, I think the fact that the offensive line has gotten substantially better adds to an opportunity for them. Uh, considering that you still have plenty of viable options in the run game now with McKinnon looking as healthy and as sharp as he, as he did, uh, the weapons are there for Mahomes. And now that he has time to throw, I think he's going to sit back and, and pick Buffalo apart more than we're accustomed to seeing. The Bills have had those games too this year. I think about the Jacksonville game where for as dominant as that offense has been, could not move the ball whatsoever on the road against Jacksonville. It's obviously a much better team, and they've had plenty of blowout wins. I think their margin of victory is the best in the NFL this year. But it just feels like it's set up too well for Kansas City to recognize their mistakes of the past and to ultimately end up coming away with a victory. I know we don't know how the games today will go in terms of injuries, and that's going to matter significantly. But do you have a strong feel on what, you know, look-ahead lines would be for potential AFC and NFC championship games? Like, let's start with the AFC. I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down for you. Do you think that it would be more than a touchdown, Bills or Chiefs against the Bengals at home? I don't think so. I think there's too much public sentiment right now on Cincinnati. And, and given how well the Bengals played down the stretch of the season – um, I, I'm thinking about that line against Kansas City where they were what, three, three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home and then ultimately ended up getting the win. If, if Kansas City ends up hosting the Bengals, if, if that's what the matchup ends up being, Kansas City wins this week, I guess maybe about five, five-and-a-half, and then probably gets bet up to six for another rematch game. Buffalo, maybe four-and-a-half or five would, wow. would probably be my, my estimation. I, I just think there's – enough interest right now in Cincinnati given who they've beaten uh, because they there was some sharp money coming in on the Raiders side that ended up blowing up in their face and then knocking off the number one team I think you'll get plenty of, a, of public money coming in there even though all indications on, on Tennessee were that they were you know from a DVOA perspective one of the worst number one seeds in AFC history in the mix so I, I don't think it'll reach a touchdown I'd be very surprised if it does but you know, five and a half or six probably sounds more reasonable to me. I will be betting the favorite if if that is yes. in fact the case. I will do. NFC Championship. 
I feel like this one's easier to guess. My thought would be the home team by three. Tampa or L.A. would be favored by a field goal against the 49ers. I would agree with you for the Rams. I think Buccaneers, depending on what happens today, could probably be closer to four. Um, just, just because I, I think it's a, it's a higher seed for San Francisco. In both of those games, it ended up being fairly closer margins. I know that they were up for most of the game against Dallas, uh, but people remember that the Cowboys had a chance to win. Um, and, and then with Green Bay, too, um, people will kind of look at it. And even I've been having a conversation with my boss working this morning who was on the Green Bay side who refuses to acknowledge his, his losing bet that it was all a fluke play and terrible special teams was the only reason that the 49ers were in the game. So I, I think because of the divisional mass aspect of it between the Rams um, and the 49ers and those two teams going back and forth throughout the year, that probably would look like a three-point game. Uh, but for Tampa Bay, especially if they handle the Rams today, I, I think that goes to four, maybe even moves to, to four and a half. Follow him on Twitter, at Benny Heiss. He's the managing editor over at BetSided, a great uh, all-things-for-all-people gambling startup hub for information. Heiss, thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Always good to talk to you, my friend. May all of your bets hit today. Yeah, thank you. Could certainly use it after the Packers' bloodbath from yesterday. He's Ben Heisler over at BetSided. I want to do an update on the Bears coaching search because there's a report today about a huge shakeup potentially elsewhere in the NFL and something changed fairly significantly since the show on Friday about a top candidate. I'm going to get into it next on The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 